0: A dreadful ball, and Chelsea could be in here with Duff, who goes for goal and scores. Finds the back of the net. Henri. What a goal.
1: Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri. Meddler. Lovely cushion header.
2: But You're beautiful! What a headshot!
0: What a headshot! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Watford's winless start to the Premier League continued on Saturday as they went to Spurs and only get the 1-1 draw. Spurs are now five points out of the top four as the table stands after Monday's games. Chelsea got off to a 1-0 victory over Newcastle Saturday morning at the bridge thanks to Marcus Alonso. Frank Lampard's men have now won three straight in the Premier League and moved into a fourth-place spot. Manchester City started two natural midfielders in a back line as they went to Selhurst Park and took down Crystal Palace 2-0. Gabriel Jesus getting the opener, and David Silva scoring a beautiful goal thanks to a cheeky assist from Raheem Sterling. On Sunday, where dreams go to die, Liverpool dropped their first points of the season when they drew late with Manchester United. This was the first game of the season that the Reds were trailing until a late equalizer from Adam Alana earned Klopp's a point. And today on Monday Night Football, Sheffield United stifled Unai Emery's arsenal at home thanks to a 1-0 victory off a set-piece goal scored by Mousset. The Gunners have now dropped into fifth place, trailing both Leicester and Chelsea by two points. Welcome to the I Hate Martin Atkinson. Oh, well, no, I meant Gold Skull podcast. My name's Andrew Pissarro. We got Alex Moss and Javier Arevalo along for the ride on a Monday night. How's everybody doing today?
1: Can't complain. Could have been a better day. Also, can we just say like... I mean, are you fuck- eating while recording? <laughs> yeah, I am.
2: Fuck what an ultimate Viet- like F you to the listeners to just the pod, everything. It's yeah, like, it's I don't right, give a shit. The world is fuck ending. Fuck VAR
1: and fuck the refs in the Premier League. They don't know how to use it. They're idiots.
2: One original they, take. They
1: just, they just, the entire weekend they botched like in every game. Big calls. It was, it was pathetic. How many penalties should have happened? And the ref, they, they every time the ref was like, no, no penalty, never gets overturned. Has yet to happen this season where there's been a clear, and obvious error where the it's been overturned. So I, it's ridiculous. I'm not a fan right now. I mean, while VAR has improved the game, the English game is so far off from like being at the best level of it. I think in the World Cup they were doing like a really good job with
0: it. I saw a tweet that was something along the lines of, "We've seen VAR rule out goals for offsides by millimeters, but not but not taking down like obvious fouls that should have been called from the whistle by the ref, and like the ref is not calling that a foul because they they have VAR and then they're not going to it and utilizing it. It's just." This is gonna be this, I mean, we're week nine in. This isn't the first, you know, issues we've had with VAR. It's only gonna continue. But let's go talk about another thing that's probably only gonna continue, and that's Tottenham playing like absolute crap on Saturdays. As they drew with Watford thanks to a late equalizer from Deli Alley of all players. Not the player I would expect to uh to save the season for Watford, but uh DeCore getting Watford on on the score sheet in the sixth minute, and Deli Alley late in the game. Um, I thought Watford should have won this, to be yeah, totally they, honest. Yeah, they, they really were, should. They
2: had a, a penalty shout for Delefeu that straight up wasn't given. And um, I don't
1: know. Tottenham Tottenham was, were pretty good in the second half. Like They improved a lot when Son came on, and Watford kind of definitely fell off in the second half, and like Tottenham had more control in the game. But yeah, in the first half, Watford could have had two or three goals and could have been up 3-0. So it, it's, it's kind of a game where... I mean, probably on the balance of play, a draw was a fair result. But I mean, you can definitely be butt hurt if you're a Watford supporter because a lot of these games you're 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 getting early goals and and then they're giving up the leads and, and losing or or you know drawing like this. So they're still only on four points, I think. So that's yeah, they have not so, yeah. they have yet to win. So this is a dire days for Watford. I don't know if like you can't fire the manager. He didn't really get a manager bump. Maybe they kind of did. They got they got a couple, like...
0: Well, they're not losing they every game. They got a draw with
1: Arsenal and a draw with Tottenham. I mean, in a pretty hard run, I guess they didn't really lose that many games, so...
0: Uh, I mean, they they drew Sheffield, they lost to Wolves, and yeah, and then they drawn Spurs, and they, they're going to host Bournemouth next weekend, but yeah... Uh, I saw a lot of Spurs fans on the internet complaining about the left back situation and they want Ryan Sessegnon in now. Is that actually going to fix the problem?
2: I don't know about fix, but it's a start because the two areas that they're really lacking and you can't really afford to lack in in like the modern game are uh, control centrally in midfield and then just overall pace and, and, and good play out, out wide. We see the best teams in the world all can take advantage in those wide areas and find that balance between building play through the center with their with their central players. Something Tottenham are struggling with right now with um, – I think it was Winks and Sissoko who started in the midfield too in this game. Uh, Winks has just like slowly deteriorated since like the start of 2019. Where- Never been a fan of him. Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought he had, like, a chance to grow into something. He probably still does. Uh, I think he's still, like, 23 or something. I think Sissoko's
1: but, still playing at a pretty high level.
2: I don't know about high level, man. Like, it's there's still just consistently, like, bad decisions made by him where he takes shots in places where other teams will, like, settle for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, his shooting, it's never, it's never going to work out for him there. You know, he's 31 or whatever. But, I mean, he just got a new contract at Tottenham. So, they're definitely in it for the long haul with him and... I mean, I think he's still playing relatively well. I think there's a lot of questions about players like Eriksson, like Kane, um, even you know, human son, who these players need to like in, in last couple of years, they've been monstrous. You they, you haven't been able to keep them quiet for a game or two. You know, you, you, you wouldn't go like a game or two without Kane scoring a brace or Eriksson getting a goal and an assist. Now it just that's like not there. Now you're getting random Lamella goals, so like Ali getting a goal here. You know Kane gets a penalty, but it 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 this doesn't feel like anything close to the firepower or the momentum that Tottenham had in previous seasons. And like maybe LaCelso coming into the team and Cessignon, like you guys are saying, would would like give them a boost and might be able to you know, inject some goals into the team, but. They de- they really need these these new signings to you know and and and, uh, and bele as well like they they really need these guys to start stepping up and and to bring something new to the team because and and they're probably gonna have to spend in January if they want to make top four you know but I'm guessing that everyone's gonna be messing up like Arsenal messed up Chelsea have messed up a bunch this season United are trash Leicester are in it you know there's just, there's it's gonna be a, everyone's gonna be switching positions and. I'm sure everyone's going to be dropping points to people who you don't expect, so it's probably going to be a
0: shit show. I uh, yes, that's that's I mean that's that's the Premier League every year though is is that is it being a shit show? I do have a question about Spurs for you guys, but I want to save it because let's go to the other draw from the weekend. Let's go to Liverpool Manchester United. Uh, a Marcus Rashford goal in the 36th minute, Lallana in the 85th after coming on. Um, look, this was not. I thought Klopp got the game plan wrong from the start here. Uh, I don't remember Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's one of our most creative players, having a touch in the first half in Manchester United's half of the ball, like half of the field. Like, he did absolutely nothing. He was not pushing up at all. He started pushing in the second half, but really, like, Liverpool, no Mohamed Salah, which was a surprise. We knew Pogba was going to be out. We all thought David De Gea was I mean, going to be out. that's
1: probably why he wasn't pushing that much, Is because he didn't have Salah on that wing. He probably didn't. I don't know. Like, feel comfortable to, 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 to be to honest, the same,
0: to be honest, Sadio Mane does more defensive work than, than Mohamed Salah does. So then if, if you've got Mane on that right position, right wing, why are you not pushing up is what, what my, the questions I I had. Divac didn't do much. Kind of surprised. We didn't see a, a no Shakiri but like he gets injured every other day for Liverpool. And then he bitches about not getting time, which is like, dude, you can't stay healthy. Uh, I do feel hard like I, I want to. I, like I said, I wasn't happy with Martin Atkinson in this game. Liverpool had the lion's share of the possession, but only got fouled six times. Apparently, there was definitely a foul on Origi, which started the break that led to the entire Manchester United goal. Uh, and so that I don't think that was a foul. That was no. definitely a foul.
1: Was, I don't. Yeah. I don't really think it was a foul. That he just like kind of stepped in his area and yeah. he just like flopped over. There was, like, I mean, it was minimal contact. There's no way that that's it, enough to like knock a, a grown yeah, no one's man gonna over.
2: feel no one's gonna feel for you there angry because when Riki goes over he grabbed the wrong leg <laughs> he grabbed the leg that wasn't kicked <laughs> like, i did
0: see that meme i mean it's not I a meme i mean it
2: was turned into a meme of course
1: like klopp was just like oh yeah like of course it's no, a foul but like but that's the right reaction is in his, in his post interview he's like no not a chance not a f- like there was okay. a little contact but the, the, not a chance that that makes you like you know Look- I thought Klopp should
0: have done more a little earlier. Like I get it, bringing on Oxford Origi was the right decision, but I thought he should have brought on well, again, no Shakiri even on the bench. Um, but I, I, they, you know, who had a really bad game was Roberto Firmino. He did. I like he did nothing. He in had this the one game, chance. He had the one
2: was. chance.
1: I kind of. I think I. I. I disagree with that. Um, I actually thought he was pretty good, um, especially in the second half. Uh, like he had a lot of, he had a lot of touches on the ball. Like like just keeping the play alive for you guys. And like he would drop into midfield and take like ping balls out to the wing, especially this was like, especially in the second half. But I thought, I, I mean, he always puts in defensive work and does stuff off the ball that I'm always super impressed by and, and and like super jealous that a striker does the stuff that he does in a game. So, I mean, his link up was still there. Obviously he, uh, he didn't finish the chance that he got, but um, I mean, he his work off the ball is just it's it's insane. It's like it, it's stuff like that that's it's really hard to notice sometimes, and it's it, it goes like, you know, uh, it's not sung enough. But, um, I thought you know his link up was still really really good, and I I actually thought Mane was pretty underwhelming in this game. Mane did um, not. I mean, of,
0: he almost had the goal. He almost had the goal, which caught him well, on yeah, but that on the was the arm. that was the handball. Yeah, um, but he's I mean he's still like, that was the one chance. Uh, but I know I do, I felt like they underutilized the fullbacks until the I like, was the disappointed the last with Wayne too. Yeah, he did not have I a game.
1: He didn't have a good game. Who I thought you know he was, he he played well in the first like thirty minutes and then just like kind of died off. Um, and he's someone who was on really good form for like the Dutch national team. And I kind of like him in a more advanced role. I think like he's uh, he, I think he's really good at playing that like more attacking midfield role. Um, and I don't necessarily like him, um, like as the as one of the more, you know, next to Fabinho basically, which I know it's been successful there. But I I kind of like him as a more attacking player, like he does in the Dutch national team, and like gets a bunch of goals.
0: Well, the reason that he's there is the same is this that everything that you were just praising Firmino for, that that same space is where Wynaldum could be occupying, but you have Roberto Firmino there. Like that's you can't you can't have both of them doing the same thing. That's why like his role is different. And I'm sure if there was like an extended period where Firmino was out, he would definitely move into that space. But like you don't need two people to do that. Uh but I thought your
1: center backs played really well, actually. I mean and, uh, yeah, and but, Allison was was pretty good too. So I mean, like, he didn't get tested having a lot. him back. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you guys, you guys definitely defensively looked more solid than you have in most of the games this season. Even though you just you conceded that goal, United didn't really do anything else outside of that one chance they had. So,
0: and that's what that's why I want to switch this conversation. United shot out a three-four, uh, a three-four-one-two with Daniel James playing as a center forward and Marcus Rashford obviously playing as a striker. Is this something? that could work while they still have all these injuries. Now, obviously, Martial comes on late in the game. Uh, no, Mason Greenwood's not used. They brought on a defender in like the 90th minute just to soak up time. But is this something that they should consider using on a regular basis, or should they try to do like a 3-4-3 three, three if Martial and Rashford are Against, healthy? I
2: feel like in these kind of games, the big games where um, you know they're not going to be having a lot of the ball just because it's pretty clear to everyone, including Solskjaer, that the team just isn't really talented enough i mean they did it to chelsea when they got that 4-0 win and that was the blueprint that we laid out last week where united just have to almost park the bus and hope that they get like a kind of lucky break and they had a pretty similar uh goal against chelsea i think it was the second goal martials where there was a there was a like a foul or chelsea fans thought there was a foul all the way at the under, other end of the field and then they started a counterattack and scored uh Almost identical to Rashford's goal uh, today, so or over the weekend. So, I, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of Liverpool like played poorly, but I'm not hearing enough of uh, what did United do to to stifle Liverpool. And I think Solskjaer did a good job switching to this formation and this system to to stifle them. We've seen United be- very rarely play this like three at the back under Solskjaer. I mean, every now and then, sure, when they've had a bunch of injuries. But just like the very basic idea of playing three center backs, it was supposed to be Zebe at first, and he got injured in the warm up, and Rojo had to come in. So automatically, like you're, you already have a bunch of injuries, and then you get another one added just before kickoff. But you have those three to match up man to man with Liverpool's front three, and then you put pressure on Liverpool's wing uh, backs, who you know are going to try and advance as much as possible by having your own wing backs out there and just sort of man-to-man it up across the back. Five players, all focused, man-to-man, keeping those players in their sight and, and close in, in their marking. And from there, you're basically daring Liverpool's midfield to do something creative and to, to basically win the game for them. And we all know that Liverpool don't have a bunch of goal-scoring players in their midfield. And that, that's why I think the, the Oxlade-Chamberlain move probably should have been made earlier and for a midfield player, Uh, Nabi Keita came on and looked pretty good Uh, he just hasn't had a lot of game time it hasn't it doesn't look that sharp so far so but overall I think Solskjaer got it as close to correct and as close to perfect as you could really ask of him right now because you went into this week picking like a 3-0 or 4-0 win Andrew and I was trying to tell you like Liverpool don't just go to United other than like that Gerard uh, penalty game a couple years ago and win like three 0 or something. It's not. It's not like too. It's not too frequently that that happens.
0: I was really bullish. Uh, I bet Liverpool in the first half. I bet the over. I went over for five this weekend on gambling picks. So it's real. It was a real coming to coming to Jesus moment this weekend for me. It was a bad
2: weekend for all of us. Yeah,
0: it was. It was. Um, and I I, I do want to point out like. The Muhammad Salah absence is coming off that tackle at the end of the Leicester game where he's still kind of reeling from that. And I did not, I saw nowhere in the press that that was going to be something that could keep him out. So that did surprise me. I still want to keep this on United. And this is the question that I teased earlier. United obviously don't have the pieces that Spurs have right now that haven't really come in and signed because obviously Daniel James and all, all three of their summer signings are in their starting 11. None of the signings that Spurs made were in their starting eleven. Which of those two teams that are reeling right now, you know, not in great form, United's two points above the drop zone, which of the two would you say would you were to to feel more confident that they would be able to turn something around and get something going before January, before the transfer deadline, for the tra- for the transfer window opens?
2: It has to be Tottenham, right? Are you are you thinking United, Javier?
1: I mean, they probably both could. I mean, I think. No, but they, who's more likely? I mean, I think it's probably United. Just uh, they have players coming back from injury, and like those players could be good, Martial and, and Pogba. But I think you, like most of Tottenham's players are healthy.
2: They just aren't playing well right now. So I, I mean, think the, the Ndombele one is the, is the glaring one. Yeah, but he just hasn't That's been playing that
1: much. He's been playing most of these games. He just hasn't been playing No, he well.
2: hasn't. He's been he's been pretty frequently injured. He's played like one game here and there and then been but out. Yeah, like in Golo France Conte too, ca- So you don't season. think like
1: that, that, that this is going to be a consistent problem. He's he's like the martial of of midfielders. He's just like a prodigious talent and has great footwork, but the the way that he plays like he's going to be injury prone. Much how like Arian Robin was early in his career throughout his entire career really. I mean, it's just like players like that, you have to manage them in a certain way and and you can't play them every game and a lot of times they're gonna get nibbling injuries and, and you know, if you you're gonna to have to save them for the big games and for uh for, you know, games when you really need them. Or I mean if you wanna throw so. him
2: in that if you wanna throw him in that category, that's fine. I'm not willing to I'm do not, that. I'm not I'm not like throwing him in yet. right
1: now, but I'm just saying it looks it's it looks very early on that it he, he could be that type of player, so Sure. Um, but yeah,
2: I mean, also Tottenham just have the better squad top to bottom, I think. And I think there's I mean, yeah, more they, possibilities they, they, for improvement there. They were there. a
1: Champions League finalist last year, of course. Of course, like you're going to say, like they have more potential to just turn around. But I do think United have um, probably like a better mental state and more hope. Because they're like, all right, well, we're playing decently right now. We're like slowly improving, and we have a bunch of players coming back from injury. So like, I think that they, you could see a big jump from them having those players come back. I don't necessarily see where the big jump is going to come for Tottenham in like the near distant future. I think it's going to be... I think there's a bigger jump think, for yeah.
0: United, but... Uh,
1: I mean, it's just going to be the fixtures. I think Tottenham have a pretty hard uh, next few games. I think they play Liverpool next, and then...
2: Um, right at Liverpool next weekend. They play
1: City in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think they've got a few a few difficult fixtures upcoming. So I think United don't have uh, too difficult to run. So that's definitely going to be a big factor,
0: and playing in the Champions League. So United's next few fixtures: you got Norwich this weekend away at Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, Bournemouth. Brighton Sheffield like that is a that is a good little run where they I should mean, be in all make- in all
2: competitions though the, their next four games including uh, their Europa League game on Thursday they're all away Yeah. so possible they don't win those games and then I heard someone say uh, the other day that if they go these next four games away in all competitions without winning then they have like three wins total since the opening day of the season so maybe four yeah, it's it, it's not looking good. It's almost the start of November and uh that's nowhere near good enough for Manchester United.
0: No. I I want to say it's Spurs. I just look at the run that Spurs like they've got us away this weekend and they've got Everton. Um they still they have to deal with Red Star in the Champions League. Sheffield home, Sheffield at home, uh West Ham away. Like they also they have in that they also have a trip to red star and they have to host olympiakos in the champions league in november so i don't know where like and they, they have west ham they have bournemouth there's not really like like the team that they should have just absolutely beat up was watford and i mean i saw a stat in october both the carolina panthers and the oakland raiders have more home have more victories in tottenham stadiums than they do which is like <laughs> You hate to see that stat on the internet. like God, only really, Spurs. You really only hate Spurs. to see that stat be on the internet. Uh, I want to say it's Spurs, but I feel like United, it might just be like one of these games and it clicks. But but at the same time, we saw United in the Europa League against AZ and they couldn't get a shot on target or they couldn't get I, a shot I, off.
1: I do want to shout out Marcus Rashford, who this is possibly the best game I saw him play at, at the center forward position. Um, he was immense pretty much the entire game. He was making runs. A lot of times he wasn't getting played in, but he was super dangerous. His linkup was really good. He was really physical and yeah, I thought he was, he was excellent this game. And, and if he plays like that, he uh, he's going to get a lot of goals. And I mean, the commentators a couple times mentioned, like if he played for Barcelona, he'd get like 35 or 40 goals. And like, I, I, I can kind of see it just the way that he, the runs that he makes the, 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 you know, the, the amount of problems he causes defenders, but you really need skillful midfielders to, to be able to play him in. And right now United don't really have those in abundance. So no,
2: until Pogba's back.
0: Yep. All right. Let's jump over to Sheffield's one nil victory this afternoon. Like I said in the open, Musette getting the uh, getting the goal off a set piece. The uh, he didn't score it immediately off the he- the set piece. He had an assist off of a header, and he taps it in. Uh, and that was all she wrote at Sheffield. Um, I want to g- like Alex kind of called this a little bit. I know he struggled. He said that he thinks Arsenal would struggle in this game.
2: I'm not going to take credit. You know, I predicted oh, wow. the one-one. I'm not taking the credit. I predicted the 1-1. It didn't happen. But you know what? I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it, of course. Um, and also, it very easily could have been 1-1. Yes. You Yes. Know, Ar- Ar- Pepe missed an absolute sitter in the first half that would have either sent Arsenal on their way or made them uh, underestimate Sheffield, and then they would have e- equalized, and the game would have ended 1-1 anyway. So, I mean it's it was close to happening but it just wasn't to be for arsenal um, i mean of course Javier we got to get we got to get your thoughts on this cuz that that first half performance from the midfield specifically there were so many turnovers from the midfielders trying to supply saka trying to supply obameyang that i mean i'm not surprised that uh, what's his name uh, emery made the, the switch for Sabios for willick after the first half
1: yeah, Willock was uh Willock was not great at all. I didn't but I feel like I he probably could have
2: even taken off Xhaka too for Torreira. Yeah, I
1: thought Xhaka was just absolutely dreadful. The guy who was making terrible decisions, was uh I mean I, I guess it was coming off an international break. I don't know if he was like fucking I don't know. I mean we were playing on a Monday. There isn't really any excuse for it. Uh, he was I mean, he played dreadful. against Ireland last captain. Monday. Yeah, he's our captain and, and that's like the state of this club right now. You know, I'm still obviously eye out. Um I mean, I, I, I thought we were going to be able to beat Sheffield this game, but, you know. it. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I obviously thought we were going to beat Sheffield. I was, like, texting Alex on, uh, on like, Saturday and Sunday being like, oh, like, I think we're going to beat them. And I thought we were going to win by two goals. And
2: You were chastising me for picking you guys to draw I points. Was, and I told I was, you weeks ago was, that you were going to drop points, Javier. But like,
1: <laughs> you know, in the back of my mind, I was just like, like, something could always happen. We're away. We've been shit away. And I thought we'd have enough firepower in the second half. Like it just, yeah, it, it wasn't to be, we had a, we had a, we had a good amount of chances. We, I mean, it, we were just boring though. That's what kind of sucks. Even though we created like a good amount of chances, we were just, there wasn't really that much fluidity in our play. It was kind of just all What were your good forced? chances?
2: Tell me your good chances.
1: I mean, there was in the, the first Pepe, half, tap in. the Pepe chance, there was no, like
2: more than a good chance, like should have been a goal. There was,
1: I mean, you could. There was the call for like the penalty in the first half for Socrates. Okay, Arsenal uh, fans can think
2: that's a really good chance. Sure. Oh. There
1: was the Jaka volley that. Oh, the Socrates
2: one. You want to say? The Socrates one wasn't a penalty. I thought you were talking about the Saka one. The Saka one is like a half. Like maybe you could say, it's a penalty, but like the Socrates one, really?
1: Yeah. You that wanted was,
2: that too? All yeah, right. I
1: mean, <laughs> I mean, you're not. You're not. It's been called many, many times before, but
2: not in um, England. Yeah, I mean, Like not. you just said, it hasn't been like that hasn't been given by VAR. So why would they start now? But, but then yeah, after that, a, uh, Ceballos, there was a Pepe
1: curler. Yeah, there was a Ceballos chance. There, I these mean, are
2: all like half chances except for the Pepe one. I thought Sheffield were really, really good, and like even in the second half, they were still pressing and they were probably a little bit too open in the first half. But they managed to get their goal and managed to survive the Pepe miss, which very easily could have gone like against them. And then in the second half, they had to like hunker down a little bit and try and uh, play more defensively. But I, I, think, I think we, we saw more of earlier. what we have already like, seen of them. We were down They're what? really no, well balanced.
1: I, I I wish he'd come on in like the you know fifty fifth or sixtieth minute. I think they brought him on close in like the seventy fifth minute, which it didn't really give him enough time to influence the game. I mean, you could tell that the 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 Sheffield players were having trouble with him, but yeah, he just he didn't have enough time. And I think Unai got it got the tactics wrong again. And yeah, same old story usually with Unai here now. You can kind of uh, see where. I I mean, we still have no real identity, which is probably the most worrying thing. Is that we're a year and, you know, a few months now into the project, and we're kind of like Van Gaal. Like it kind of feels a yeah. little bit like Van Gaal's Manchester United, where like you didn't really know what that team was gonna do. They'd have some possession. They were sometimes good at pressing. They'd randomly get good results, but like they would just lose games like this where they'd have a lot of possession but they didn't really do anything with it the other team would defend well and frustrate them get a goal and and then you know they would united would lose 1-0 or whatever and and that's literally what happened to us so yeah i'm not uh not excited at the uh this next season under under unai but you know there's there's a lot of young players who are developing um i think i thought wanduzi was still pretty good
0: this game even though he sure. missed a mark on on the goal I mean,
2: there, like, he was, he was, he was at the back post trying to mark O'Connell, but there were three players back there. It was like David Luiz and Socrates too.
1: I know it was Jaka was the one closest to uh, to Musette, and he just like put his arms up and was like, right. Oh, the, what the what happened? Why in? didn't anyone? Uh, why did anyone like stand next to Musette? It's like, yo, dude, you were the one next to him. You're the captain, like. The fuck aren't you standing next to the player? who's standing next to our goalkeeper? I don't know. It's just yeah, a bizarre. Really the, bad the fault defending.
2: There, the fault there goes to the players that missed the uh, original ball in, which is like it was Gwendausi, David Luiz, and I think Socrates who let the ball go over their heads, and O'Connell heads it back across to Mousset. Right. There were so, so many mistakes in that corner. So. I mean, as a defend, like, as a player defending a corner, if you don't get the first ball as it comes in, like that's a that's a failure. You're, that's a bad job defending the corner. So. I mean, it's it's you can split the blame among a couple people for that, but I think again, like you've got to you got to start keeping an extra eye on Pepe because if this continues, then you guys shouldn't be. Yeah, I'm really uh, worried Emory, about Emery shouldn't that, be shy about was, benching him for Lacazette really, or really Saka. Shit.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that miss was was really bad, and I don't know. It was uh, it was not our game, and. Seems like there's going to be a lot of those this year. Where,
2: so Javier, I have a question for you. Are you finally going to adjust your expectations when it comes to picking games? Because you always seem to have this same come to Jesus moment when Arsenal shit the bed, and then it wrap. What comes around the next week, you're like, ah, oh, Arsenal are going to dominate. We've Villa at home. We're going to destroy them. Pepe no, will cause score. No, because I mean, I
1: still expect us to win those games. Um, yeah, what you can expect? We you went- like.
2: Tottenham should be expecting to beat Watford and Brighton. but Yeah, like, and I'm
1: sure they still expect to win every game.
2: Tottenham should be expecting to beat the likes of like Watford and Brighton, but uh, I think a realistic Tottenham fan is now looking at a bunch of their upcoming games, especially in the Champions League, and thinking we, we have, if, when you're trying to pick a game, you have to be more realistic about what kind of problems that team presents. That's, that's what I was trying to get at with Sheffield last week that they can absolutely pick you apart in the half spaces between the wing backs and, and the center backs and the combination of super attacking fullbacks you guys seem to like to use and most teams like to use plus the unorganized like defensive pairing of uh, Louise and Socrates who can be very aggressive and kind of get themselves out of position I thought Sheffield were good for at least like one goal going into the game and I, and I thought it would be it would have to be like a couple of really big mistakes like Sheffield had at Chelsea when they went two nil down uh, at Stamford Bridge for Sheffield to to concede. And you guys weren't able to take advantage of the one really big one on the counterattack with the Pepe mist. So I don't know. I'm just I'm just kind of thinking like what's your next game? What's your next league game?
0: Uh Arsenal's next league game uh is Okay. Crystal Palace at home on the 27th. We all know how fun that one is. And then they okay. and then they go to Liverpool. Okay, so it's Palace at home.
2: League I Cup. mean, again, a game that you guys lost last year, and a team that's already gone to United and beaten them. I mean, you have to think there's there's at least some chance that Palace get a draw on that now. Are, are, are can you at least concede that, or are you thinking Arsenal win? No, like right off the bat. I think Arsenal are going to win. Okay, man. All right. <laughs> the, I mean, that's I, not. I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, but really you have you haven't had like a you maybe maybe have had like one absolutely solid home result. We're going to yeah, okay. want to bounce back. Yeah. Okay. You You've wanted to bounce back for a while now. You barely scraped by Aston Villa at home. You dominated Burnley. I'll give we, you that. Put
1: together some you decent came back, results. You
2: came back from two 0 down after two big mistakes against Tottenham. Yeah. Okay. You've not been that good at home this year.
1: I, We'd only lost one game. This was our second game we've lost this season. Okay. Chelsea have lost more games than us, and you're definitely much higher on Chelsea than you are on Arsenal. We've
2: lost two league games, and we've won one more game than you, and we're ahead of you. So, yeah, please watch your mouth when you're talking about the young the young guns. Since
1: when do you uh, – so I thought you weren't counting the, the league table, Alex. I thought you don't look at the league table at this point in the season. I mean, you
2: just brought up how many wins, you're how above many losses us, right? Chelsea have. losses are right? By had. one
1: point, it's you're,
2: like you're like counting. You're the one uh, bringing like, up like, how, how many losses you're, you're, each team has. All right, all right,
0: all right. Hold on. You guys are both you guys are both not winning a title this year. So let's uh let's 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 cut it off here and let's move on. We got we got two games that we're going to recap real quick, and we'll start with Crystal Palace, who lost at home to Manchester City. Honestly, part of all of us lost as well because we had to watch Manchester City playing those god-awful jerseys. Those things are awful. And she's like, the one reason I don't want to go to Nike for Liverpool is because they're probably going to try to put us in some stupid jerseys like that. Uh, but City getting a 2-0 victory, and, like, here it is. I'm saying nice things about Raheem Sterling. That was a great assist on on the David Silva goal. That was just like absurd. That was that dumb. That was sublime. It was. It was, was I, you couldn't do that in FIFA, and he did it in that, real life. No, that
2: was that was some Messi Barcelona 100%. stuff. That like that Pep was having Iniesta and Messi and Xavi just unlock those little dinked balls over the top to each other. Uh, yeah, that was that was sublime, and and basically to end the game right after they'd taken the lead. Yeah, two minutes. An equally impressive goal from Jesus. Like I, I seriously, every time I watch Gabriel Jesus score uh, hey, a goal, you, he, like, his body, why did you play Aguero? To get a head on it or get a foot on it like a poacher? <laughs> he he looks to me. He seriously looks like if you if you squint and watch him, he looks like old reels of Pele, like just the way he moves. I think I've said that like once or twice before, but just the, the type of movement he has is just it's sublime. It's incredible.
0: It's a pretty big, pretty big uh, persona. To, to compare him to. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be as successful, but. Uh... <laughs> I,
2: I didn't say he was going to be successful. I just said he moves like him. That's fair. And I will, will stand by that.
0: Okay. Uh, the no- most notable part about this game is that Pep played Rodri and Fernandinho in the back three, uh, leaving Eric Garcia and John Stones on the bench, Otamendi picking up an injury in the, uh, in the, the international break with Argentina, so their center back crisis is going to continue here. But I'm not really surprised, even with those injuries, that they were able to go able to go to Palace and and get get a result. Like I'm really not. I I think Gabriel Jesus has like two goals and three appearances at Selhurst Park. He loves a goal at Palace. I I don't know what to say about Manchester City that I haven't already said. Like I it's, even watching when- the game and watching the highlights, like. They just have this moment. It, it's it's whether it's De Bruyne, whether it's Silva, and now Raheem Sterling, where they just can do and David Silva and Sergio Aguero, where they can just do something that nobody else can do, and they make it look easy. I, I don't like. Right, I'm not trying sense. to like. I'm not trying to like dump on Man City here. Like I don't know what to say because like this isn't explainable. It just doesn't make sense to me.
2: Well, no, it makes sense. Like I feel like. You expect City to go somewhere like Crystal Palace and score twice. The only worry is that a similar situation arises like it did at Norwich, where they have enough significant mistakes at the back to allow their opponents to score two or three, and they drop points that way. But what what people kind of underestimate in playing those two central defensive midfielders as centre-backs is that the role that Pep asks of his centre-backs – uh anyway is basically the same thing as what most managers ask of their defensive midfielders now he's just moving players like Rodri especially who has actually struggled uh as a defensive midfielder in terms of like the amount of time he's been allowed on the ball and and how used uh to the pace of the league he is and the pace of play uh moving him back to center back at least in this game we obviously need to see more of it But at least in this game, it seemed to allow him a lot more time on the ball and a lot more time to really pick passes left to right to get Crystal Palace's defense moving. And Fernandinho looked like he was perfectly uh, equipped to handle the sort of the counterattacks with his pace. So... I mean, for away at Crystal Palace, not 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 an easy game, but not like the toughest either. It was a good start. If they're going to actually continue with uh, these these two ever again, I mean, obviously Stones is coming back and some other players, but if they have to play this, I don't think it's the end of the world, depending on what the fixture is.
0: All right, next couple fixtures for City. You ready here? We've got Aston Villa at City this on this weekend. That's the seven thirty game. Then they were gonna they're gonna play. Southampton in the league cup. Um, and then they have Liverpool on November 10th.
2: Oh, that soon. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't know that was coming up so quickly. I am I'm excited now. Oh daddy.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I didn't realize that either. I think that that, no, there's not an international break. That's right after Champions League week. So yeah, that's coming up. Didn't know about that. Now I won't sleep tonight. But uh, it's also it's that also is a at massive an inf- game. So did you guys that win is, that? Uh, that's a big one. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And We're not talking about that right now. Let's go talk about Chelsea. Like I said, one nil victory. Marcus Alonso. Uh, I know Pulisic did something because the internet was ablaze but I'm just gonna go ask Alex what he thought of Chelsea getting their third straight win under Frank Lampard and moving into fourth place in the table
2: okay good I thought you were gonna say how how was Pulisic how did he play like well he came on and he was part of the build-up to the goal and he missed another 1v1 chance and he had and he had an assist to Tammy Abraham blocked by DeAndre Yedlin which was an amazing block a crazy block so he played well that's all I'll say about Pulisic uh other than that, I'll just say for Chelsea that the 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 one one thing we haven't really seen uh, this season has been the um, other than maybe the Brighton game, you could say has been like the the, the KG one nil where things just aren't really going your way, and it seems like it's going to end as a draw where you just sort of pull one out of nowhere and manage to you know, to get a goal where it just seemed kind of hopeless there for a good chunk of the second half, despite all the pressure that we had. So to get the win uh, despite um it, it feeling kind of hopeless at times and feeling almost like uh some home games under Sorry last year where the tempo was really slow at times in in the first half. Uh pulling pulling out a one-nil win is almost more impressive in some way than if we had just like won three or four nil. Because for a young team, that's like a really big mental hurdle to overcome. And we were able to do it at Lille uh, in the Champions League in the last round of the Champions League, uh, where that game was kind of getting away from us in terms of getting the winner. We we're able to do it here in like the last 20 minutes. So um, the, the two players that absolutely jumped off the pitch were uh, Jorginho in midfield, who was allowed just all the time in the world. So that's kind of understandable. And then Callum Hudson O'Doy, who could have had like three or four assists. He created the two best chances of the first half, put one right on Williams' head, and William missed. And then slid one right into Mason Mount, who turned and shot right at Debravka, and it was saved. And then obviously set up Marcus Alonso's goal. So he's he's been absolutely sublime. He's had four straight uh, assists. He's had four assists in four straight games uh, in all competitions, uh, either as a sub or, cu- or starting the game. So. I literally the only way is up for him unless there's some kind of injury. He, he, I, I, at the end of that game, I literally just went to my fantasy team. I was like, I'm so mad at myself for not having him already. Let me go bring him in right now. So if, uh, if you're listening everyone else, stay, stay off Hudson, Adore. He's mine.
0: (laughs) Um, how confident are you? I mean, Chelsea have a little run here. They've got Burnley. They've got United, uh, Watford. And then they got palace at the beginning of the month. Um, before the inter- and then
2: yes but we also have two games with Ajax in the next like three weeks so it's it's it may look not super tough in the premier league but away burnley uh watford and i think villa you said um and palace also coming up soon like for really really good title contending chelsea sides we would look at those and think we have to win all of those but i think i think the important thing right now is to just keep producing really good performances and the results will come that's kind of seems the way that modern managers think player managers like Pep and Klopp like perform well and you you will get results
0: it's wild that we have both Manchester United Chelsea and Liverpool Arsenal playing in the the next in this round of the league cup
2: they're trying to ease it for Pep again. They just Obviously. want Pep to win as many League Cups as possible.
0: Yeah, they just, they can name it, rename it the Pep Guardiola Trophy and talk about how he saved English football, even though a bunch of youth came in that were actually good for once. Um, That about wraps it up for us on the podcast. Uh, We could talk about how we all suck at gambling this week, mainly me. I did, I did not have a great week. Hey, weekend.
2: man, we're all going to have a bad week from time to time. Yeah. We had plenty of good weeks before this, yeah, and we, we will have plenty of weeks
0: I wasn't there, so you just made all these right, dumbass okay. decisions. You know, even you though, need me to even guide you. Andrew, I was making picks. I don't know about that, Javier, because many of those weeks I, yeah, wasn't yeah, there on I was on the pod. Yeah, but I, so, like, I was on the pod, so I was still the good left arm. You know what you I mean? When am not all. there, so,
1: suddenly, see, oh, oh, okay. you go 0 for 5. Right. It's just, it's miserable, you see?
0: All right. Well, finally, uh, find me when you find Arsenal's one, good yeah. luck charm because you're going to need that. Um, but that about wraps it up. <laughs> that wraps it up for us here on the podcast today. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ghost at Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, and at JavierRev9. And until next time.
2: Bye, y'all.